This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 181. I'm your host, Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. On episode 181, this is the penultimate episode in our 10 Tales of Woe series. A series that has been running through the entire month of April. Looking at horror movies that have a central story that, you know what... It's kind of sad. Um, yeah, this is the second last movie. We will be looking at 2001's Chiaro, aka Pulse. Uh, a little G-horror movie, y'all, from Kuroshi Kurosawa, director of such great movies as um, Cure <laughs> and some other stuff that he's done, which I actually, to be honest with you, the guy has come back recently um, and is, is doing some really interesting stuff that we should all be kind of paying attention to because he went away from horror for a while and we are unsure why because the man is gifted like I think Pulse is goddamn super strong like up there amongst the best uh, and then he kind of was like yeah I've done my bit, done my time going to do some TV now and some weird shit uh, and then I might come back one day and he did and I was happy so yeah, we recently talked about his movie Cure as part of our Choose Your Own Horror Podcast review adventure. And uh, would luck have it, um, we're back to discuss some pulse. So that'll be coming up after the first break. But before we get to that, ladies and gents, let's do an update, a state of the what the fuck is going on under the stairs address. So... We've done a lot this week. We've done a lot this month, but a lot this week. Uh, we kicked off on Monday with a little fucking Aliens episode looking at Extra as part of our themed month episodes. So April was Aliens. So there you go. Uh, then we swung in to do a little review of Absentia. Movie Club was yesterday. Today is obviously Pulse. Tomorrow will be the final instalment of our Ten Tales of Woe series looking at Lake Mungo. And then on Sunday, it's another slasher classic from the 80 Films collection. We will be looking at Dead of Winter. Then leading us out the last two days of the month, Monday is some black metal bands with my good buddy Liam Rafferty from Scotland vs Evil. We chat about black metal, we chat a little bit about the scene uh, and a little bit incoherently about Lords of Chaos uh, there was booze going around during that recording so you need to bear with us um, and then we'll close out the month on Tuesday with a recap of the month that was April talking about the big news and horror that month as well as titles that were released and what the bespoke labels have announced and what they released during the month of April as well it's a kind of recap episode for all y'all out there so that is the plan that is my golden plan, and I'm sticking to it. I'm sticking to it, ladies and gents. As we're saying, if you get a chance, go and check out the Strong Language and Violent Scenes podcast. 
Um, you can find it on all the places that you listen to podcasts. The reason I tell you to go and check them out is I feature on their one year anniversary episode. Um, I chose the movie The Hole from 2001. Uh, same year as this, actually. How weird is that? Um, yeah, I chose that movie. We chatted about it. It was a lot of fun. It's a great episode. Great podcast. Go and show them some love and support. That's a strong language and violent scenes podcast. And I'm on their one year anniversary, episode number 50. So there we go. Right, I'm going to take a very short break just now. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear the trailer for Pulse from 2001. When we return, we're discussing that movie. And we're doing it right after this. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17 year olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything yeah, that kept little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at twelve years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How be did a rough you watch movie. this shit at twelve? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Science.
And welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for Kiaro, aka Pulse from 2001, written and directed by the great Kyoshi Kurosawa. Uh, Kyoshi Kurosawa being one of those guys that actually, when people talk about J-horror, um, in general terms, I always find that Kurosawa's somehow relegated, and I think it's because he was at the forefront, he was right at the very start and then he's only kind of come back in the last couple of years. So I think people just inexplicably just tend to leave him out of the conversation instead going down the road of Hideo Nakata or Takashi Miki or Sio Nsono. Um, and for obvious reasons, these guys are the heavy fucking hitters of the genre for sure and they have been powering through at great pace over the last 20 years delivering scares and and it feels weird that we sit in this time frame like of 2019 some what 20 years after audition was released uh which was a movie that really kind of started to turn heads in a way but before that you had uh, Kurosawa doing a movie like Cure which was taking elements of mystery and murder and horror and sadness and atmosphere and tension and kind of grafting it all together into this this movie which oh, you guys out there know I only saw recently and it blew me the fuck away I thought it was great so it's interesting you know, coming to a movie like Pulse, which is a couple of years removed from that, but in the wake of movies which are already starting to set the world on fire, so after the meets Cure, you know, um, Miki's released Audition, Hideo Nakata's released The Ring, um, and, and, and Pulse comes out, and we're, you know, we're in the throng of things like Dark Water being made, and, and the attention's pure purely kind of focus now on J-horror as this template of, of how to scare people. And this movie, Pulse, comes out. And Pulse is probably the more complicated out of all the movies of this time frame in terms of its narrative. But not only that, I think it's actually probably the creepiest. Um, and I'm not just saying that because there are a couple of scenes in here that genuinely to this day still kind of, kind of creep me out. But Pulse was a movie that I had kind of famously seen bits and bobs of without seeing the full thing. I'd seen most of the scares, but out with context of the entire movie. Um, up until we started talking about doing the the run of Choose Your Own Horror podcast adventure. And I was like, you know what? I've got this movie. I really need to see the whole thing. And when it didn't make through the first pick, the first sweep, I was like, fuck it, I'm watching it. Um, and I, I, you know, Julie did then. I've watched it twice since, and I'm kind of floored by how great this movie is. A movie which, you know, d did well in its home territory. A movie that was quickly snapped up by the Weinsteins in 2001 and then buried until 2005 uh, so they could get the American remake out ahead of it. An American remake that to this day I still haven't seen, and I'm glad I haven't because I've heard the reviews, of, well I've read the reviews and I've heard people talk about it and um, it just sounds like a movie which has been sanitised of all the interesting aspects all the, the, the weird creepiness that that pulse holds 
Um, now, as always, we're, we're taking this and this series as a pivot of how sad this story is. And we could go into it in grand detail in talking about the sadness of what happens to the characters. That kind of been what I've done with all the other ones. But what I'm going to do is maybe pivot more out towards looking at how sad the movie is as a concept uh, and what it predicts early on in 2001 and kind of how what is predicted is eerily true to where we are now in 2019. It's a movie that is very, very much ahead of its time. It's Imagine it being kind of Videodrome for the digital age um, is kind of how ahead of the curve it is, predicting trends, attitudes, atmosphere, and at the same time, predicting a lot of the turmoil that Japan itself faces just now in terms of an aging populace, um, a, a kind of very socially awkward generation of kids that don't really want to get married and don't really want to date and don't really want to have kids. Uh, it's because they're socially disconnected and that's the main theme behind this movie and it uses it in a lot of respects through metaphor. I mean, the idea of ghosts in the machine, this ever kind of everlasting presence that you can have online that may exist well beyond your death. Back in 2001 seemed like a very alien concept, but nowadays... Uh, through Facebook and other social medias, pages can be kept going for people that have long since passed um, in a way which is kind of eerie monuments of a digital era that that people can visit. You know, we, we can upload videos to YouTube and, and pass on and still exist there. Um, we can upload our thoughts pretty much through typing, through podcasts are a great example. Um, it's a weird way to catalogue events and, and snapshots of our being and post them in a place where they will go on forever, they will exist forever online. So taking a concept like that um, and how at the time, you know, people like Kurosawa are already looking at the internet as this incredibly useful yet nefarious tool for the breakdown of society and then and then uh, kind of interspersing this idea of kind of the ideas and elements of ghosts but at the same time the apocalypse and, and making this into a movie is an incredibly ambitious task that I think yields some incredible filmmaking. I mean it doesn't really rely on a lot of the gimmicks some of the other movies from the time frame did this movie instead really leans into atmosphere and sound design um, very much like a movie like Dark Water which has an incredible sound design Pulse's sound design is maybe one of the best reasons to check this movie out, listen to independently of what you're seeing on the screen it is fucking creepy really 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 creepy and it speaks to this idea of disconnectivity um, this idea of a disassociation between the way that we socialise as people and the way that we we connect ultimately is a movie about connection and I've seen a lot of these movies come and go in the last 20 years uh, and it's interesting to see how fresh Pulse still is it, like, one could argue it has his finger on the pulse uh, but it is so cleverly placed 
um, in its narrative without fully committing to any specific one angle that ultimately what it does is it becomes a timeless entity even though the internet here is dial up and, and you know the, the, the computers are self or fucking giant boxes really the idea of of the message behind the movie whilst not solely committing to one specific theme I think gives it longevity beyond the technology used I think it's where where you really start to to get an idea of how how clever this movie is now a guy like uh, Kuroshi Kurosawa like I said before has kind of really been for the most part removed from the conversation but if you get a chance to check out his uh, his kind of serial killer mystery horror movie uh, Cure which plays with some weird and wonderful concepts um, and then you then follow that into his 1999 movie Charisma which I cannot recommend enough and why companies like Arrow yes I'm looking at you Arrow have not put this out in Blu-ray kind of baffles me but then when you see him go into uh, Chiaro, it's almost as if he is kind of setting out some weird nihilistic trilogy? Is that? Yeah, I think it's a weird kind of... It feels like some sort of spiritual trilogy. It feels like these three movies should have been grouped together in the same way something like um, the Gates of Hell trilogy are clinged together or the Apartment trilogy are clinged together or the Apocalypse trilogy are clinged together. Movies that have, uh, you know, a, a kind of central style and on some level a kind of lesser theme that links them through but ultimately you know, um, are linked, whether it's with an actor, which is in this case, um, although he plays a kind of less noticeable ro- role in this movie. But, you know, it, it, it feels like this could have been some sort of J, kind of J-horror trilogy of, of sorts. But I think the the biggest thing that this has going for it is just how exploratory Kurosawa's mind is in concepts. I think... Him coming from a position of writing into him coming into a position of of directing the craft of what he is writing to the screen goes through some weird changes that what comes on the screen almost feels like a, a kind of work of dystopian art, and I I think that really works on levels which which make some of these movies hard to classify, but like the experience of watching them carry on with you long past it I think when you watch a movie like this you start to realise that what Kurosawa is really great at doing is building worlds Um, and you know Pulse is probably the one that expands out the most beyond beyond um, even something like Cure which is dealing with murders all over a city Um, this one you know is, is dealing with like a world crisis it's essentially something that's going to cause the end of the world and it's easy to to kind of look at this on a superficial level of well it's people committing suicide and then they're, they're turning into ghosts and all the rest and when you look at something like suicide club aka suicide circle which comes out about the same year um from Sion sono which is you know inexplicably people are committing suicide what this movie does is has a weirdly similar setup 
but it's the after effect that's handled completely different and adds to its haunting nature I think there's a lot of this movie which is basically saying to you that society has this addictive side that we we get addicted to things so very very easily as human beings whether it's media whether it's art whether it's vices um, like drugs or alcohol um, physical pursuits you know you can easily be addicted to lifting weights as you could be for running marathons as you could be to binge eating it's, that, it's the same part of our lizard brain that controls us all and what you're getting here is Kuroshi Kurosawa saying look at the internet as a concept it allows us to communicate readily quick in real time with people anywhere without having the the kind of the physical contact that you would need and what would this lead to if this kind of continued on if this spiralled out what would this lead to but what he's cleverly done in here is decided to kind of pull it back into this level of of a, a kind of a haunting setting of these these ghosts like i said before in the machine people that are are full fully depressed because they don't have um the social constructs in place that we need as a society. We are a, a species that craves not only connection but attention as well. We, we, we need our small social groups. Um, there's a reason that people get cabin fever when they're removed from, from physical contact. It's a real thing. You know, physical interactions and, you know, verbal interactions in real time. Uh, are, are important and these social skills are what help us develop as human beings but are, are what help us integrate with society and by removing these these parts there is a kind of loss of life uh, you know a part of your anima so to speak is removed and if that is the case then you know you become a shell of yourself you become the black smudge on the wall of society Um that, that this kind of shadow self, so to speak, of who you are. But on top of that, I mean, uh, Kurosawa's always had this idea of playing with these concepts, the ability to kind of form the human mind or exploit it. And that's not just to say, look at this heady movie that has all these things. This is a horror movie which delivers some truly unsettling scenes, whether it's, um, you know, captured video footage of 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 people before they die, um, like pictures that start to move, um, ghosts that move in the most creepy fashion of all time, characters who appear to have bags over their faces, um, you know, in the manner of which I would imagine the way they killed themselves, and just suicide in general. Which, if you are Japanese, that that is a powerful image. Because uh, they have a ridiculously high suicide rate, but they're a society that were built on the ideas of honour and if you didn't have purpose in your life, as a samurai, for example, seppuku might be the way out, uh, you know, to commit uh, harikari, um, uh, you know, is, is the way to go. But what what is also kind of interesting about this is the, the idea of going beyond the places that we should go, these areas that are kind of 
taped off in this movie. This idea of pushing through the boundaries and, and the understanding or the realisation of what is actually ahead of you um, is almost this understanding of knowledge of what the future might be like. That's my interpretation. Um, some people will say it's when you come in contact with the ghosts that bad things will happen to you. But I like to think that those ghosts, like I said before, are maybe a kind of visual metaphor, so to speak, of just the way we... kind of the way we will become uh, if we follow the path set out in this movie. And if you come face to face with that, then, you know, it's gonna... It's gonna, you know, it's gonna fuck with you. Um, I mean, the director himself has said many times that uh, the ghosts are, you know, they exist as part of a wild, a wi wider world that we, through our daily lives, kind of don't perceive. Um, you know, they're, they're part of like the world beyond the frame, so to speak. Um, and a direct quote from them was the their hidden doors and they appear through opaque windows and impulse they make their way into the world of the living via computer screens um, the doors, windows, monitors uh, are the portals between the living and dead echoing the cinema screen and ultimately frame that divides the seen from the unseen um, but on the same level I think the movie is it's kind of almost like a lot of these kind of movies lean into this idea of, especially movies that are kind of post-apocalyptic by the end, are almost like cautionary tales of what might be. Um, and whereas some movies have a, you know, a very clear message of it, well, if you just don't litter or if you just don't build bombs, you're going to be fine. Um, what I love about Pulse is that it, gravitates or anchors itself to a thing that we as human beings now cannot live without which is the internet I mean we can people say it all the time I'm off the grid I'm going off the grid for a weekend but when they come back they're right back on the grid you know what I mean um, you can get the internet almost anywhere in the world now that's how much it is like I have you've heard them on here people that chat some of your favourite podcast hosts you know that have been on this show are connecting me through the internet. I consider them my friends. Most of them I've never met before. That's the way relationships are built now. How many people would have had friends that they'd never met before 10, 15, 20 years ago? It's an interesting concept. You know, it's kind of almost replaced the arduous task of trying to create a pen friend by doing this in the first place. But, you know, it's, it's a really interesting aspect that I think he's exploring here. But it's also an infinitely sad aspect. If this is a cautionary tale of how society will become, this idea that, you know, things like Tinder will replace how we interact to date. You know, it used to be that you'd have to go to a bar or you'd have to meet someone or be introduced to someone through a friend uh, or be waiting in a queue for lost luggage at the airport to meet someone to make that connection. You know, or someone you met at school, or a friend of a friend, you know, these sort of ideas. Nowadays, you can plug into the internet, swipe, and before you know it, you're in someone's, you know, house, uh, giving them a bit of the D, if you know what I mean. Um, without really knowing anything about them. And you don't have to talk to them or anything. You've made a kind of verbal, um, albeit kind of nod commitment to an app 
that you're in it for one thing, they're in it for the same thing, let's just go and do it, like a transaction without money. Um, and that's replaced a lot of how we do things online. Um, you know, we've, we've replaced going to shops and interacting with people in shops with clicking a button online and having it delivered to your house by faceless people you don't speak to. We're, we're slowly removing a lot of the aspects of how we speak to each other socially. And I think that's what the movie is kinda, kinda, um, kinda directing us to. Kurosawa, I think, consciously forces us as viewers of his movies to be spectators, almost like the ghosts in his movies, uh, looking from a, a static outside position on a world which is which is is vibrant, um, whilst what we hear is very creepy, very well constructed soundscapes that kind of belie the, the the movement on the screen. I think it's, it's a very very clever point that he does. It's almost as if we're the ones that are peeking in. We're the we're the you know the the black shadow in the corner, uh, and he drags us in to the world. Um, and kind of makes us become part of it. I think it's as a, a very, very clever way of doing things. But ultimately, this movie's sadness, so to speak, is that through time, a lot of what this movie is set out, not the haunting shit, but a lot of the messages in here about how people will commit suicide from reading comments online. People have died from spending too much time connected to the internet and just not taking care of themselves. Um, that these aspects have become part of society, commonplace, so to speak. That this kind of almost cautionary tale of what might happen is already in full effect and there's nothing we can really do now to stop it. Who wants to switch off the internet? You know what I mean? Not me. Eh, not you. But that's kind of what the movie is. It's a very clever movie not only for being ahead of its time, but it's a very clever movie and, and kind of putting that forward. Uh, the ghosts in these movies have no unfinished business, uh, which I think is, is, is genius because that's how ghosts are supposed to be handled. That's how they're supposed to be put out there and he doesn't do it. He doesn't do that at all. Um, he, you know, he's, he's putting them as just these entities that are desperately trying to still make a connection from beyond the grave. These kind of um, entities which are, are shells of people, not real people that are desperately trying to, to, to reach out and make that connection to still cling on to a world that they just aren't part of or not connected to anymore and isn't that really ultimately the tragic thing isn't that the you know the, 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 the thing that makes the movie sad it's not the fact that at the end of this movie the world is condemned and doomed Um. It's not that at all. It's the fact that humans, through something as innocuous as the internet, could still be self-destructive. We could take a tool that allows connection and makes the world smaller and somehow uh, pervert it into something which will consume our life, our attitudes, our moods, our temperament, um, our beliefs. Um, it's, you know, it's... There's a reason that flat earthers are becoming more prominent. There's a reason that people are more divided now into smaller kind of niche little groups than they've ever been before, and that's the internet. I love the internet. I think it's the fucking maybe the greatest invention ever. But 
it has replaced a lot of what I would have deemed important 15, 16 years ago. I mean, I've got a five-year-old daughter and my five-year-old daughter will not experience a world where she would have had to go to a friend's house to find out if that friend was in and then go and play out in the street. Um, instead, she'll probably text or Snapchat her friend uh, when she gets a bit older and they'll have whole conversations without being in the same room together. Uh, and isn't that a wee bit weird? Isn't that a wee bit strange? And it may be that I'm getting older and I, I weirdly don't fear these things, but I understand through watching a movie like this that it's very easy to fear it. And if we are to go along the roads that we are going just now, think about the in the last couple of years as well, and I don't want to get political and I'm not going to, but think about how the tone has changed on the internet and everything is now we are living on the precipice we are on the edge of of human society and one little click one way or the other and we're all fucked we're all fucking doomed and then try and ramp it back and think what life was like for the older ones out there 25 years ago kind of weird doesn't it <laughs> it's like it's this hyper hysteria that, that surrounds us now uh, and a lot of it is fueled by what we read, what we consume from the internet. So there's a message in there about that as well. That's me just looking at the sadness of the story that way. Like I say, I wanted to kind of tackle this one a bit differently. I mean, I think it's a great ghost story. Um, I think it, it works with, like, this is the sort of movie, lights off, sound up, watch at night, and you will feel creeped and unsettled throughout it. Um, and it's a movie that from a linear perspective doesn't wholly work all that well but what it does is it, it gets in under your skin and makes you think when it finishes and I think that is where Kuroshi Kurosawa shines uh, is all these movies are are really well constructed exercises and, and just getting under your skin a little bit and kind of staying with you giving you a message whether it's like in Cure that we talked about a few weeks ago the idea of not being able to control your actions is a terrifying thing to me that's why I hate the idea of hypnotism just in general I don't even like waking up after a drinking session and not being able to piece together everything I did the night before uh, the fear is real to me I, it really is I, I like to know what I'm doing I like to remember details and I like to be in control of my own faculties um, and he plays with that in Cure, and then he plays with it here as well. I think it's I think it's a great fucking movie. I think it's top tier J-horror. I think he himself is a director that really needs more attention, and hopefully he's going to continue to put out more work. I think he's a, a, an incredible, incredible filmmaker, and great writer, actually. I love the stories he crafts. They're always really kind of unique and kind of interesting. Um... And yeah, that's kind of all I really want to say about this movie. Um, this is a five for me. I think it's a it's five out of five. It's a fucking incredible movie. But yeah, I thought I would tackle this one a little bit different than what I would usually do, which is talk about how sad all the characters are in this movie, and they are. And we could do that, and that's a that's a, a whole other episode, a whole other ten tales of woe just on how sad everyone is in the movie. But I think the movie has concepts that I think are sad um, and those those concepts are sadly becoming real life 
And on that sad, depressing note, we're going to take our final break. And when I come back, I'm closing out the show right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been episode 181, doing our penultimate 10 Tales of Woe episode, looking at Chiaro, aka Pulse, from 2001, directed by the great and powerful Kuroshi Kurosawa. There is only one more episode left in this series. It drops tomorrow when we look at a little movie called Lake Mungo. There's a multitude of ways to check out this podcast. You can go across and check us out on Apple Podcasts. It's the way I usually tell people to check us out. You leave us a rating and a review and subscribe to our feed. And it's the best way to support us over on Apple Podcasts. Go and do it, please. Please, 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 please. You can also check us out at Stitcher Smart Radio, SoundCloud, Google Play, TuneIn and Spotify. You can go to our website, it's tputzcast.com and if you want to maybe throw us some pennies, get a poster or some enamel pinage, you can do that by going to tputzcast.bigcartel.com. If you want to buy weird designs on weird and wonderful things, go to redbubble.com and type in tputzcast. You'll see what I mean when you get over to that platform. If you're on Facebook and you want to join our group page, become part of our listener group and interact, chat about horror, weird shit happens over there, I'm not going to say that I always uh, can follow all of it because there's just so much activity, it's a group page of almost 600 people and it's the best place to spend your time online, if you ask me, slightly biased, to do that you go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast. If you're on Facebook but you don't want to join a group like that, you'll know what I know the, when the shows are dropping. Um, check out the occasional live stream on Thursday Thursday then you want to go to the Facebook page, it's facebook.com forward slash Cast. Nice and simple. You can interact with myself and the Baz on the Twin Prongs of Social Media Sexness, Instagram and Twitter. Both can be followed at Cast. The podcast under the stairs will return tomorrow with episode 182, the finale of the Ten Tales of Woe series. Looking at Lake Mungo, ladies and gents. But until then, whatever the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I am signing off. <laughs>